0: This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Today on Dreamland, we're going to be doing first Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal talking about David Grush and the experience of the creating the blockbuster article that they have published in the debrief about... David's assertions that the United States is in possession of alien craft and uh, debris materials and knows that this material is from another world or another reality of some kind and has been keeping it secret for 80 years. (laughs) Okay, and then after we finished, they're finished, I'm going to talk very deeply about what this all means, especially to the close encounter witnesses, because that's what many of us are. And before I go on, though, I want to mention something. I'm just starting this. I am going to be at a UFO conference. I know some of you have said to me, well, wh- why, why aren't you there? Why weren't you in contact in the desert? Why weren't, aren't you here? I don't go to them as much anymore, but I'm going to go to this one. It's in Barcelona. On a, September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at a very fancy hotel. I'm sure it's going to be a lovely place to be. And Barcelona is a wonderful city, which is one of the reasons I was tempted to go back. Uh, I'm going to be, the, Mike Derda is going to be there, and uh, Hugh Newman, uh, the, the uh, British researcher. And there are going to be a total of 16 speakers. Most of them are Europeans, and I think that it's going to be terribly interesting to talk to and experience the world of European ufology and alternate reality studies, because we don't hear much about it here in the United States, but it's really extraordinary work that's being done over there. So it's well worth your trip and well worth your time. And as you know, I don't hide out. So if you want to see me, it's a good place to do it. World Ufology Conference, Barcelona, September 22, 23. And 24. So go to the world, the Ufology World Congress dot com. Okay, now we're going to go on now with the show, and there won't be any ads in in the show at all for the subscribers for the free Dreamlanders. There will be an ad between each segments, and I guess you can guess what it's going to be. It'll be communion and um, them. So. we go let's shift now to leslie ralph and me i'm very pleased to welcome leslie kane and ralph blumenthal to dreamland ralph was just with us recently with his wife deborah for their wonderful children's book ufo's and i hope you do take a look at that show it's a marvelous show leslie has been on dreamland many times and leslie as always welcome back and we're not going to be talking about children's books today (laughs) instead we're going to be talking about the hydrogen bomb that you dropped onto this world the little world of the ufo community and the much wider world uh which is truly extraordinary uh and for the three or four of you who don't know what I'm talking about, on a Monday of this week, uh, Ralph and Leslie published in The Debrief a story uh, about a man named David Grush who had come forward to talk about debris and physical craft that have been in the possession of the United States government since, well, for uh, some of it apparently for 80 years. As you know, uh, most of you, I have some of a fragment of this material myself, uh, which has proved to be anomalous and I'm sure it's exactly what it is supposed to be. And my own uncle told me about the craft and the materials being in uh, at that time in a at an air base in Florida In 1988 so i come to this without questions about whether or not this could really be true i'm past that and i think probably most people are getting past it in one way or another now what does this mean in it it is an extraordinary thing because if we have this material and have successfully hidden it for so long what does that mean to american culture and the and 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 the human experience on earth it's that big a question and i want the two of you to ex- to address that question as broadly as you want to uh, i'm not really going to go into ufological details about why didn't you talk to arrow or it's all it's stuff you see on twitter i'm not interested i am interested in these larger questions so, Ralph, why don't you start off? You sort of nodded your head when I was asking the question. Can you give us re- your reaction to it?
1: Well, it's, it's a very good question, Whitley, and we end our piece with it, really. Uh, we feel that uh, this information uh, belongs really to all of humanity. Uh, it's not something to be hidden away by any one government. I'm not talking about technological details that could be of help to an adversary. We understand why certain information is classified, and a lot of this information is classified. We, we haven't gotten to that, and uh, o- only uh, members of Congress know uh, what Dave Grush testified to, uh, you know, behind closed doors. But the fact that this material exists, that the government has retrieved it, um, is something that really shouldn't be hidden away from humanity. This is a huge breakthrough, as you said, and, um, you know, we uh, people of the world deserve to know it. Well, exactly. Leslie?
2: Yeah, I was just I mean, I agree with Ralph completely, because you can release the fact that we have the craft without releasing the technological details, as Ralph said. But, I, you know, and I think what's really spectacular about it is for anybody who's interested in so-called proof for UFOs. I mean, these physical objects. Assuming they have been determined to be non-human through legitimate scientific means, which is what is being told to us, uh, it's basically proof that we're not alone. It's not theory anymore, and um, that's you know it's a question of whether more information is going to be released uh, through the Congress or to to actually make that case. So that's what's so astonishing about it. It's it's a paradigm shift because it's finally providing concrete proof.
0: And what about Congress? I think that the response to uh, David Grush has been a little mixed. Am I correct about that? I would think that there would be people in Congress who support the DOD's secrecy from top to bottom. Won't there be resistance to further Ralph, what is your I mean, this
1: this whole subject is still deeply stigmatized and um, Congress has been uh, very reluctant to tackle it publicly. Um, There have been some breakthroughs uh, recently. As we know, the government has now said for the first time that these objects are real. Uh, This is only within the last couple of years. Uh, These are not hallucinations or, you know, fly specks on the windshield of fighter jets or uh, mental illness, (laughs) hoaxes, fabrications. Uh, These things, whatever they are, and and no one is saying what exactly they are, um, are are real. And um, so, uh, you know, that's that's a breakthrough. And, you know, now I think we've kind of maybe thrown down the gauntlet a little bit a little bit to Congress to say, well, what about it? What are you guys going to do about it now?
2: Yeah, they need to do an investigation. I mean, we're, we're, we're reporters telling the public what we have been told by somebody and others who have incredibly great credentials and people that we trust and we believe. But that's it. I mean, it's up to Congress to check out what they're saying, to do an investigation and to make the determination of whether what they're saying is true. I mean, we, we do, all we can do is report what they're telling us. That's just the beginning of what needs to happen with this and basically
1: what grush has told congress is that you have been lied to uh, the government is legally obligated um to share certain information with you on a confidential basis just as the law provides and they haven't um so he's thrown the ball into in, into congress's court and now we'll have to see whether congress you know takes up the challenge and says okay uh, we're going to have more hearings we're going to look into this uh, whatever you know the, the issued two reports so far that have been less than you know, earth shattering, <laughs> interesting, but not, you know, terribly uh, important so far. So um, now it's up to them.
2: And also to mention, Whitley, that they have heard from other people besides David Grush. I mean, there are others who have provided them with perhaps even more specific information than Grush has provided. So they're not, they don't only have his stuff to investigate, they have a lot more. One
0: of the things that is not buried in the story, but is is at, toward the end of the story is material about the federal procurement process being violated. And I would think that if patents have been uh, claimed by various defense contractors based on, on information received from this source, then it's a Clear violation of the federal procurement procedures, and, and in fact, criminal and well, possibly on a massive scale. What, what,
1: what? Are yeah, we- I mean, we know that uh, some of this uh, research work has been farmed out to uh, private contractors, defense contractors, uh, may, maybe partly to shield it from FOIA requests of reporters like us. Um, and it's stove piped so that, you know, one unit um, doesn't necessarily know what another unit is doing, no one person in charge of everything. So this stuff has been very cleverly hidden and it look, from what Grush testified or what he you know, publicly reported and told us and we put in a story is that um, um, uh, Congress has violated uh, or, or, or uh, the Pentagon presumably has violated its pro- procurement procedures by farming out this work to other parties uh, in violation of, of federal statutes. So that's almost the criminal aspect.
0: Well, I, yeah, I go into that extensively in my the second part of my book, Them, because I've been aware of this for years. In fact, I think probably without realizing it, all three of us know people who have benefited from this illegal dissemination of information into the defense industry. And they have uh, subsequently gained patents and exploited those patents to, to great benefit all illegally. And it's it's so huge, in fact, that I think there has to be some kind of a reconciliation process.
1: Yeah, I mean, because- that's a door that's been locked to legitimate investigators. Uh, uh, you know, it, the, the trail stops at the private contractors. Um, exactly. Um, you know, uh, uh, legitimate researchers within the government with high clearance have been stymied themselves in getting at the facts because of the work is going on in super secret uh, private hands.
0: Exactly, and why this super secrecy is well beyond the levels of secrecy that were involved in, say, the development of stealth aircraft. I know a certain amount about that process, and it is nothing like this, nothing like this. This is the most incredible, deep, profound effort to keep a secret I can imagine the united states government or any government uh attempting leslie do you have any sense of the why behind this
2: it's, you know whitley as you know that's the biggest most complicated question there is um of well, that's course why we're here i mean to get to start with the simplest thoughts about it, of course, that I don't think our our Air Force, initially our Air Force and then possibly other elements of the defense establishment, want to acknowledge to people that there are things in the sky that are way more advanced than we are and that we can't control them or do anything about them. And in fact, the Air Force can't even protect its, its population from these things. So, I mean, and, you know, we have to remember, too, that this all started during the Cold War. Let's put it back to the late 40s, early 50s. And we were in this Cold War relationship with Russia, and we, of course, wouldn't want them to know anything about anything we might have retrieved or anything even that was being documented in our skies because of all the advantages that could have occurred to them and games that could have been played. And so it all started back then, this this desire to really shut everything down because we were in the Cold War, and it hasn't stopped. It just became ingrained in the in the culture. And I think the other big concern, and, and again, there's probably deeper elements here, but... um. We don't want our adversaries to know what we know. We do not want our adversaries to acquire the technology that these objects uh, are, are built from, You know, that they demonstrate. And so as David has characterized it, David Grush, there's like a Cold War battle going on for these, these materials and for the technology. And because we're, we're competing in, that sen- in a sense with our adversaries, we're certainly not gonna wanna release anything that we know. About and we,
1: what we're doing. Just to add on that, I mean, we know that the Russians, in particular, uh, have uh, you know, been doing the same kind of research and thinking initially that this was our technology. And during World War Two, each each party that saw these strange uh, foo fighters in the sky, these fireballs, uh, thought it would belong to an adversary. So you know, they're doing the same research we're doing, and it would be nice, you know, maybe. To, uh, kind of uh, pie in the sky, literally in the sky, (laughs) to think that we could ever collaborate with our earthly adversaries uh, on this, you know, very fundamental mystery. But clearly, we're both picking at parts of this without comparing notes.
2: I also think, Willie, just to add one more thing, I mean, there could be a deeper uh, element of, first of all, psychological fear just sort of you know, this sense of having to come to terms with the fact that we are not at the top of the of the food chain anymore. We've never thought of ourselves as, as there ever being anything, any intelligence that's beyond us. Right. We've always been at the top of the food chain and there's a predatory aspect, perhaps. I mean, you certainly recognize that of of whatever this phenomenon is. And we also don't understand what it is. So there's a kind of a level of psychological fear, I think, that's really prevalent here. Um Uh, And I was going to say, oh, and also there might be some frightening aspects to this that maybe the highest levels know about. Uh, There might be things that they think are going to be very disturbing for people to to know beyond just the question of, oh, there's some technology here that's more advanced than us and we're not alone. You know what I mean? It has all kinds of, it's like opening a Pandora's box. So the best thing for them to do is just to keep it all quiet so they don't have to Go there at all? I mean, it makes and, sense and
1: these, to me. Yeah, and these revelations have not s- set well with certain members of the fundamentalist community who see it as demonic. I mean, we know that Lou Elizondo, who was, um, you know, researching this uh, till he resigned, um, uh, f- got pushback from, uh, you know, various uh, sides. Uh, uh, in the defense establishment, who thought we shouldn't be meddling in this demonic area—that this is something evil, you know, something uh, against God's plan or whatever—so th- there's there's that that the researchers are contending with too. Right. Well,
0: you know, you have to wonder what it means that if someone is saying we shouldn't meddle in it when it's meddling in us, <laughs> <laughs> and so and we, we got no choice. Which gets me to another question and it's a a cultural question you're talking here to quite a few people who have had close encounter experiences quite a few people who have had difficult times with this and complex experiences in that like mine it's been uh, I I had sexual material removed from my body which is the I think perhaps the most extraordinary kind of intrusion you can imagine Uh, and At the same time, as you both know, I have an ongoing relationship with this presence, whatever it is, that's very productive. And when I see it focusing down into materials and suddenly becoming very physical and very real on a a kind of basic level, my next thought is, what about organic material, bodies? Have you heard even a whisper?
1: Let me start right off and say that we have steered away, Whitley, from uh, a lot of aspects of this that are more more difficult even than the hardware to grapple with. And for the time being, um, our reporting has focused on the objects themselves, not on the even harder to deal with uh, issues of what kind of intelligence may be behind them, um, and these encounter experiences, which certainly uh, you know span the globe and are very real, uh, certainly to the people who describe them, uh, but even more difficult to pin down. So, for the, you know, our article in the debrief and our reporting in the New York Times is really focused on the hardware as a first step, and we're you know we've been very careful and not to uh, venture too far afield from that because it's even harder uh, to pin down. I mean, you agree, Leslie?
2: Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I mean, it's, it's also, Whitley, it's a matter of, of strategically bringing out aspects one one step at a time and letting people acclimate to something. And then maybe you can go a little farther the next time. You know, we started off with just breaking the story that there was a program within the Department of Defense that studied these things. Well, that was like massive revelation. But when you look back on that now, right, it doesn't seem like that massive of a revelation, but it was at the time. And so right now, we're going a lot further with, with crash retrievals, and that's a huge revelation. So it's you've got to take it in stages. I think that's, that's what right. I think is
0: important. Yeah. And enough on the plate at once. The plate's going to break. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, of course, the close encounter witnesses have experienced derision, bullying, uh, personal attacks of all kinds sometimes attacks that appear to have some kind of 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 a sinister official locomotion and it has been they've been beat up doubly because they've been beat up by the experience itself and then by the reaction to anything that they may have said publicly so uh, you know it, it seems to me that it's really time to stop at least to stop bullying these people
1: this Absolutely. one Yeah, you know, and Dave has been bullied. As, as as Leslie knows better than I, that Dave, uh, our source, has been bullied on this, which is why we felt uh, very uh, careful to protect him, and why we ha- had to put the story out, perhaps before uh, some would have preferred. But we had it all together, and we needed to get it out to to protect him because he was getting uh, pressure. Um So um you know i i think it is high time as you say to start crediting the witnesses and listening to what they have to say um and taking them seriously because the, the stigma has really inhibited research in this field
0: figuring out what they have to what, what what they have to say means is going to be a tremendous challenge if you read the first half of them uh the 11 stories this is not going to be easy to figure out.
2: Each uh, story is so different. And, you know, it's really not.
0: Yeah, I think you've if read about, them. Yeah.
2: In, yes. in Dave Rush's case, I mean, he was, I'd say it was more than bullied. bullied. I mean, right. He was at the us about it. Yeah, we, really, I mean, we can't reveal the details of what happened to him because it's an ongoing investigation. But uh, he was faced, I don't know, at least a year of just retaliation from within government agencies he didn't always know who it was but harassment at work and various things happened to him which we are not permitted to discuss but these were concrete actions taking against him they were not you know i mean when you say bullying it sounds like it's more verbal but anyway he was and that's why he filed the complaint with the icig the intelligence community inspector general uh because of that and that's and the complaint was ruled urgent and credible, so you know they're 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 looking into all of his allegations. And now, he was
1: in a unique position to push back. You know, and many other people, ordinary citizens, who have these encounters, and who are stigmatized and and uh, and, and bullied and, and attacked and, and ridiculed, uh, don't have the same ability he has, which is what makes him such a striking witness. That he was so highly positioned in the intelligence community, he has stellar credentials. Uh, and he came forward with his name. Again, we, we want to emphasize that, that any, nothing in our article is on, you know, anonymous or on background. It's all there. We li- we name the people we talk to. We give their credentials um, so any reader can pick it up and, and look at, at the facts for themselves. Uh, so Dave was in a great position to to push back. Not, not many other people are.
2: And he had I'm, a great lawyer, too. He had the top a top lawyer, uh, Ch- Charles McCullough who is the formal IC, former ICIG himself a former inspector general and he's incredibly well respected in washington and he's he's been helping dave all along so that's another it advantage. Makes it
1: very hard it seems to me for people to attack his information uh, i mean anything is possible but uh, you know we are really confident that in in dave grush uh, we we found a, a striking um, source of, of news and information who allowed his name to be used, uh, got permission from the from the Pentagon uh, to say the things that we quoted him as saying. That's another thing I want to emphasize that the Pentagon approved um, the release of this information. and didn't necessarily endorse it. They said you have the right to do it, but it's not covered by you know classification or secrecy. So this is information that the government knew about beforehand that he was putting out and that did not try to block on, on uh, uh, you know, in terms of national security interests or classified information. So, you know, we are, are, are very proud of putting this information out in a, in a form that we think um, is, is extremely well documented, which a lot of the information in this field isn't, by the way, you go on the Internet and there's all kinds of stories and people say, well, why don't you report this? Or Why don't you report that? Well, we can't document it to the to the point where we could like we did in this piece. So, uh, you know, that's important. I mean, you look at this piece, it stands on its own. And, and we, you know, all the information that we have that we could print is, is there in that piece. Well, let's
0: discuss a little bit the fact that the Pentagon approved what he said and said that it didn't uh, violate uh, the National Security Act. Now, what he said essentially was that we have materials and craft. Why didn't that violate the National Security Act? Do either of you have any sense of why not?
2: Uh, Yeah, because he wasn't specific about it. So, you know, it's okay for people to say in broad strokes things that, are just broad statements where any any specifics about those items that they might be discussing are classified, but right. you know, there was nothing in the statement that said where the crashes were or who was responsible for the programs or anything like that. Any specifics, locations, names of people involved. It just said, and, and they, they sort of look at it as he's stating his opinion, his beliefs. And uh, I mean, he it was very strong statements that he made. We were actually surprised that it got approved. But but I think that the, the way the process works is if the person is not uh, saying anything that's classified, they have to approve basically what they're saying. They're not allowed <laughs> to disprove it because they don't happen to like what he's saying.
1: Yeah, we have freedom of speech in this country. And uh, he did not disclose, you know, um, uh, program uh, secrets, details where this material is being held, you know, under what uh, organization. Um, And by the way, uh, he testified to Congress extensively. Um, There's hundreds of pages of his testimony been transcribed. That's all classified. We, We didn't see that. So I don't we don't know what details he told Congress. Um, And some of that information that people are are asking for, the the details may well be uh, in that information he gave to Congress, but it's classified.
0: You know, looking back to a conversation I had with Dr. Robert Sauerbacher, a metallurgist back in uh, 1986, when I was still researching communion, when he said that they had begun to understand the reason for the extraordinary strength of these very flimsy bits of metal that they had only after they got the electron microscope. And adding to that something that close encounter witnesses have been told, quote, we rearrange atoms. It occurs to me that getting even deeper than an electron microscope to the point where we can examine the functionality of individual atoms, we might gain some real knowledge here. And I'm speculating, but I wonder if either of you have any sense that this speculation might be in the right direction, that basically we need to look more closely than we have been able to in order to understand what's there. Because I think all three of us are aware of the fact that nobody's got <laughs> gravity solved yet.
2: <laughs> Except of course- we're also not aware of what the scientists who are studying these things have been able to determine about them, even at the tiniest you know, level that you're talking about. But I also understand from from people like Gary Nolan that there are still uh, there's still, you know, a need to develop more sophisticated uh, machinery that can look at it at an even finer level. So I think all of that is kind of part of the process of trying to understand better the materials that they have. That's my sense of it.
1: There have been papers published on some of these materials. They're very esoteric and make for a very, very difficult reading. But some of this research has been put out in a non-classified form. So it's out there. There are many papers that have been written and published uh, but of course, as Leslie said, the the, the most uh, important research um, remains classified, and we don't know what that's showing. And plus, the, well, effect, I, the human effects I mean, that, that's another not only the materials, but what have been the effects on human bodies of some of these encounters? That's another area of research that is in, in, in its infancy and has yet to really uh, report a breakthrough.
0: Here's a a a large question and we're coming to the end of our time together. And so I would like you to both address it. What is classified is the progress we have made in utterly fundamental directions, such as understanding gravity, not only as a force of nature, but how it may be a means of propulsion or movement. This is so important to humanity that I think that classifying this research does two things. One, it denies mankind basic knowledge that is absolutely fundamental to our survival and our future. Two, it restricts the number of scientists and the number of good minds that can address this at all. And you have two communities, one inside or sort of with a foot in both... Camps like Gary Nolan or Hal Pudoff or Jacques Vallee, and another group that is outside that just thinks it's all absolute nonsense and won't even look at it because they have been placed in that position. It's not their fault. What is next in your work? What do you hope to do to advance the cause of the human future, which is exactly what the two of you are doing? What is the next step? Are you working on anything that you can at least hint to us about?
1: Answer no, <laughs> but I can tell you this: what we what we like to see, and what we uh, outlined at the end of our piece in the debrief, is that some of this information does clearly belong to all of humanity, and we are hoping that Congress will now pick up the uh, you know the, the the gauntlet that was thrown thrown down by Dave Grush. Um, will start to you know investigate this area, report what it can. Um, a lot, as you say, Whitley, A lot of this information does belong to humanity. It's, I mean, the secret of perpetual power, for, for example, uh, which would, you know, eliminate fossil fuels, uh, anti-gravity, all these things which could would revolutionize our world more than you know the microchip ever did. Um, so again, it has all it has defense implications. But th- that apart, whatever could be done to. Uh, make the the, the world a, a safer, cleaner, more habitable, more efficient uh, place uh, really belongs to to humanity.
0: Well, in closing, I would like to say I spent the Can
2: I add one thing Whitley just
1: yes, to... please
0: I was just going to get to you, but please
2: <laughs> just about what we want to do next, I mean what I'd like to do next, and I'm sure Ralph would too is to hopefully have other stories where we will be able to bring out other people like Dave Grush. They may not be people that have filed these complaints, which is one thing that makes him so unique. But other whistleblowers or and or witnesses who will be willing to go on the record now because of Grusha's coming forward. And I would just hope that more more of them will come forward now and have the have feel courageous enough to do that because we need to strengthen uh, the points that he's making. I mean, there's going to be pushback on this. I have no doubt, and there it's oh, it's yeah. going to come places. And so I think the best thing we can do to keep our ball rolling is to bring forward other people that strengthen the the points that Grush is making and to show the world that there are many people who have this knowledge. And therefore, they're not all like conspiring to lie, right? But it it's in numbers is kind of the way I look at it.
0: Well, I certainly hope you succeed in that. I, I know from long experience that what is going on right now on the inside is People are being really told, "Do not go down this path that he went down. Sure. You, you stay in your, you stay where you belong. We are watching you every minute." Uh, right. And go, but yeah, that's happening. Maybe that's going to actually pry some people loose
2: hard to say but i will i agree with you whitley and it's especially hard for people who are still in government of course because they risk losing their jobs uh the people that are retired or are not so dependent on their government employment it's they may have a little more leeway but everybody will be under all kinds of pressure and it'll probably escalate now that the stories come out i don't know i don't know what's going to happen it's been only like three days since it came out and it's been an absolute firestorm and we're just barely yes. able to keep up with what's happening. So we'll see where it goes.
0: Well, thank you both very much for being with us on Dreamland. And we'll certainly keep in touch. Uh, and and thank you also for the courage and the integrity and the reportorial skill that you have brought to your part of changing the world, which is a very big part. Thank you. Thank, thank you,
1: Lily. Great to be on.
0: Leslie and Ralph tell a remarkable story indeed and it has gotten me thinking about what happens to the close encounter witnesses in Whitley's journal on unknown country i have posted some thoughts about this which i would like to discuss a little bit now now that the fact that the us government has been studying intact ufo's and materials for 80 years has been revealed what happens next and I think there's going to be a lot of pushback about this story that Leslie and Ralph have published, but ultimately I think it's a true story. The reason being very simply that my uncle told me about these devices and materials in 1988 and it just has to be faced. It can be very hard for a lot of people, but it has to be faced. There's been a gigantic social issue involved They have been lying to everybody, including our most distinguished academics and scientists, our allies, religious leaders, and the general public, and even most politicians. They have, in other words, been lying to the entire human species. And you have to wonder how a lie that big got started. Is there some overwhelming reason for it? Or is it more like a snowball rolling down a hill? I think the snowball effect is probably the answer. The government has also been lying to us, the close encounter witnesses, and worse, about us. What do they know about what has happened to us and what still does happen? How does contact work? Why are certain people chosen for this? For example, why, after I wrote a book, War Day, that infuriated the administration at the time, the Reagan administration, did I suddenly find myself in the hands of the visitors? Was I given to them in retaliation, or was there some other sort of locomotion having nothing to do with the government? That's a question I would love to have answered, but I'm not even close, frankly. I will tell you my sense of it. My sense of it is that I've been involved with them, like most of us who have experiences all of our lives, all of my life. And they simply came into my life at what, for whatever reason was to them an appropriate moment. But still in the back of the mind is the thought that I was completely sidetracked from a career that was growing more and more serious. I had gone past the horror horror novel phase become beginning to write serious literature about important issues like nature's end and more day and then suddenly i go off on this other direction into a kind of ghetto from which you don't escape i'm in the ghetto right now my books i have to publish them myself no big publisher will touch whitley Strieber, because they don't want books like i write However, I think that if you look at them, you see how much of what Mr. Grosch's statements are reflected in that book. I am on the right track. There have been rumors for years that some kind of a secret agreement exists between some deeply hidden part of the government and the visitors. Is this true? I can never forget the response when I said, you have no right they said the answer was very clear. We do have a right. What? Where where did it come from? Did I make some kind of agreement that I don't remember? Well, I think that's possible. I think it's very possible because there are things I have a recording of me talking to somebody in my apartment, which has been up on YouTube. I, I don't know if it's still there or not, but in any case, I had been trying for years to get video of something unusual in this flat. And I've gotten quite a lit lot, actually, but no real smoking gun, no alien walking across the living room. This, So I tried an an app that picks up audio only and put it in my phone and laid my phone on my bedside table. And one night, there's a sound. It's the sound of someone coming into the room. And then you hear me wake up. You hear me go, what is what's that? Oh. Oh mature. And then a moment later I say in this very warm voice, teach me mature. You know, I have no memory of this whatsoever. None. How much of every close encounter witnesses life do we simply not remember? Uh, about a year ago, Danny Shin was coming over to visit me for the first time in years with a gentleman named Mark Sims. I mean, he's never visited me here. It's just the first time we get together in years. Right before he came over, I had about four or five minutes of missing time. Easy to record because I was I happened to be looking at the clock. I've described that on Dreamland before. Definite missing time so what is going on here how much of our lives do we not know and what does that phrase we do have a right really mean there have been rumors for years that some kind of a secret government agreement exists as i said and maybe it's true maybe the reason that they've never tried to interfere in any way with the abduction experiences is that they're intentionally letting them happen. Or maybe it's simply that they know they can't do anything about it. Or maybe they don't know. Maybe they haven't figured it out. Maybe it is done in such a way that they can't see at all. I wouldn't put anything past the visitors. This is no ordinary situation at all. Whether or not the government has been responsible in some way allowing the abductions to happen, I regard us, the people this has happened to, as having an absolutely inalienable right to know what the government does understand, if anything, about what has happened to us. Years ago, two Air Force personnel who had come to a book signing I was having in Dayton, Ohio, came out of Wright-Patterson and let me see a photograph. It was an analog photograph. This was before digital photography that showed a group of greys standing in an ordinary American neighborhood in a nighttime setting. I asked to keep it, but this was refused. I asked if they were Air Force. They were in civilian clothes, and they responded that they just wanted to let me know that I was on the right track. They left immediately taking the photograph with them. Remember, I can describe it in detail. I remember it vividly. There was a tree and a street and some houses off to the left and then a corner and a couple of houses straight ahead. Standing under the tree was a group of, I believe, four grays in little sort of uh, uh, aprons almost. Uh, that came down from the neck. Above the tree, there was an incredible white light coming down, just as bright as you can imagine. Was this a clip from some kind of a movie that never got made? Was it real? My guess is it was real. It sure looked real. And in those days, you know, you didn't make special effects very easily in a Kodak at all it was possible but not easy and especially not to make one that looked that real okay so maybe they do know something about what's going on in the neighborhoods of of this country and the world if so will we ever find out will i go to my grave not knowing and after death will i find out i don't know Creating an analog photograph, I just can't get over it. It's not easy to do. And they would have had to really work on it in a dark room before I came. And maybe they did. I won't discount anything because I can't. Not because I don't want to. I don't want to believe. I'm not a believer by nature, as you know. But we deserve to be told every single thing the government at every level knows about what has happened to us. Another example, and this is a big deal. On December the 26th, 1985, I was raped with a device that caused an erection and semen was extracted from my body. 10 or 11 years later, a very strange, terribly disturbed boy whom I've talked about and written about many times, ended up living in the woods behind our cabin. Was he my child? Taken, the semen taken from me and combined with an egg in some way And what of all the women who lost eggs and fetuses and the other men who experienced the same indignity that I did? The penetration of the body and the taking of sexual material actually goes beyond rape in some ways. It's a kind of rape that we really don't have a word for. You know, the first time I mentioned it in my book, Communion, I mentioned it. I say it was a rape. It's early on in the book. Later, I mentioned in Under Hypnosis, a rectal probe. These bastards, and I say, there's a lot of them out there. Some of them are probably have a official locomotion. Others are just bullies. Seized on that phrase, rectal probe, and basically ruined my life with it. They made me into a laughingstock for being raped. And when that happened, my sales ended, my career ended. I ended up in a little condo in San Antonio. I lost the cabin. A tremendous heartbreak. All done with laughter. We deserve to be told everything the government knows. Have human children been created as a result of the abductions? We have as fundamental a right to know this as I can imagine. In fact, I can't imagine a more fundamental right than to know of the existence and fate of your own children. Now, in them, I talk about the fact that the visitors treat us a lot like we treat animals in the wild. Understand, I don't think they're evil, not at all. I think they're here and not fully understanding that we regard ourselves differently from the way we regard the other animals or perhaps more deeply not respecting that. In other words, they're going to treat us like we treat the animals on purpose because they feel that we should respect the animals more. I don't know the answer, but something is off somewhere, obviously. I'm assuming right now the Close Encounter witnesses will be continue to be ignored as long as possible. They may even be an organized effort to discredit us and call us fantasists. Given that I have an implant in my ear right now, and I am not the only person with such an object in their body, any attempt, or I should say further attempt, to spread such a lie is a treason more fundamental than treason against a nation. It is a treason against the human nation, against mankind. I will not be silent. I've been bullied, ignored, ostracized, and lied about for too long. I've endured being made a public laughingstock for my rape and have had to endure the anguish of that very public humiliation now for over 30 years and I doubt there's a single witness out there who has not been in some way harmed because they told somebody about what happened to them. Not a single witness. Well, for God's sakes, why? Why is it funny? Why is it funny that people are having their semen and their eggs stolen? being raped, being dragged out of their houses in the middle of the night. Where is the humor? It must be somewhere because there's plenty of people laughing about it, snickering. Why am I mad? I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm, I didn't realize until I started talking just how deeply angry I am at the way we have been treated. And as this thing gets slowly closer to us and slowly comes more into focus, and it's going to, let's face it, one way or another, I think we're going to be treated even worse. I think that it's quite possible, as I said earlier, that there's going to be a concerted effort to to identify us as fantasists and to say it never happened. Uh, it did happen. It did. We must not be any more called fools, scorned, laughed at, diminished, ignored, and ghettoized. Above all, ghettoized. You know, I've been really ghettoized. There hasn't been a single mainstream review of one of my books in years and years. I have to publish them myself, as I said earlier, because no, a couple of smaller publishers have stepped forward. It's true. But they're very small publishers, and they don't have a big... Uh, presence in the bookstores i can get plenty of sales online myself i need the bookstores and that's where the big publishers come in that's what they control all right something extraordinary has happened and we are in the front line first contact between mankind and another intelligence whatever the heck it is that's an open question that's where we are, though. It's a wonderful thing to be in such a front line. And we need to all stand together in our suffering and in our pride and stand up to those who scorn us, who bully us, who hold us up to be laughingstocks and who oppress us, including our government, the media, and much of the general public and the perpetrators of the abductions, our visitors. Because they have to answer for it. I admit that my life with them is now difficult, but also wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I want to make that very, very clear. I literally wouldn't trade it for anything. But I did not ask and was not asked about the removal of my semen from my body. And I don't know of any woman who has been asked. If it was all right to remove her eggs or to take a fetus that was growing in her no that's not all right and it never will be of course then i say to myself we do it to the animals don't we and much more and worse so where is the ethical line here should i be angry or ashamed or both Well, it comes down to this, my body, my child, other people's bodies, other people's children. We feel that, we feel it. We are human beings who have suffered the most terrible invasion I can imagine, the invasion of our bodies, the theft of the innocent humanity that lived within us. The government is either powerless to do it or unwilling to do it but it has i think participated in marginalizing us uh david grush describes in i think his interview with uh ross coutard on the uh, 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 news the news channel that it's on that uh Oh, the things that were done to him the threats and so forth it has a very familiar ring to it that's been done to me i can't identify who did it it's been done to a lot of you who went public for sure it's done it's real and it has to stop it has to stop in fact for our suffering and our courage we are to be respected above all we are to be accepted into humanity as valid sufferers of an outrageous intrusion. The rape of the close encounter witnesses is, after all, the rape of mankind. I might add that it is an all dark. I've referred to this a couple of times. There is something else that is involved that is strengthening and supportive, as I point out in them, which is a very complex it's it's the best description of the close encounter experience and of the government's relation to the whole secrecy element ever written. I'll be frank with you. And if you look at what Grush says and what them says in part two, you'll see down the line, I'm right on the money. Right on the money. And more so. There's more there. All right. Anyone, anywhere in government or associated areas of human endeavor who keeps secrets about the abductions for one second longer should just put themselves on notice. They serve evil. Getting back to the master of the key, a lot of you remember what his description of sin was. I think it's the best description of sin ever spoken of, by ever spoken by anybody. Sin is denial of the right to thrive. And that's why I have a right to call this evil, hiding the truth from the close encounter witnesses, because it is denying them the right to thrive. And then to go proactively out into the world and try to discredit and humiliate them, that's piling evil on evil, it's really bad. Protecting the government is not patriotism protecting people is patriotism that's what it's all about and i think perhaps the greatest reason for all of the secrecy is they are unable to protect the people and they know it and they would rather hide that than admit it and face it for what it is but I will tell you something about the people. I am a people. I am an ordinary guy. I've got a gift of gab, apparently. But I'm basically just an ordinary guy. And we have a right to expect better treatment from our government. You know, when I think of all the money that's missing in the... Defense Department, all of the assets that they can't find, locate, I think to myself, my God, this might not be small. Rich Dolan's idea of the breakaway civilization, as I mentioned in the interview with Leslie and Ralph, might be true. And guess whose back it rests on, yours and mine. I worked today and made some money some of that's going to go to the government and if the breakaway civilization is exists some of my money is going to go to that my money your money now wait a minute i think to be honest with you there is one really critical part of this whole equation breakaway civilization, hidden technology, government, lies, all of that on one side. On the other side, you and me, our kids, our parents, our babies, and the children-to-be. And who do you think is more important? I don't think it's even a contest. We are. Next week on Dreamland, we're going back to the Mothman and the mystery of the Silver Bridge disaster. Come to Dreamland every week and tell your friends about it. It's a good show. It's one of the best podcasts out there on this subject. Always rational, level-headed, and fun, because we like a good adventure on Dreamland. So, and dare I ask you, (laughs) I've asked you so much, Subscribe to the website if you don't. It could use it. They could really, really use your help. Thank you for listening and stay with us. It ain't over yet. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by unknowncountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.